Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Crusaders and Pathfinders. Welcome to the Ashes Pathfinder Show, dedicated Ashes of Creation podcast, now running 41 episodes strong. Our dedicated Pathfinders uh, venture into weekly episodes discussing theory crafting, game updates, community, your questions, and all news related to Ashes of Creation. Special shout out, as always, to our Patreon supporters who uh, fund the Crusade and this podcast, as well as the Paladins here on Twitch, who are the subscribers who you all keep the, uh, the Crusade and the Pathfinder show marching strong week to week. Thanks so much. I want to introduce my co-host, as always, Daedalus. Welcome, dude. Hey, everybody. And also, want to welcome back our returning guest, Zeke the Phoenix. Hey, guys. So, got to tell you, man. You hear that? Hold on. I didn't hear none. Exactly. That's what it sounds like oh. coming from the Ashes universe right now. And uh, with that being said, I'm kind of curious what some of your alls and uh, in, in chat as well here on Twitch, if you are watching right now, feel free to kind of chime in and let us know what you think. We may not read directly from it, but um, we might address it. Um, but I definitely would be interested in seeing what you all have to say um, about the director's letter. Now, I think that it's a pretty good choice that they're going to be doing this. Uh, with that being said, though, um, you know, my thoughts are like, what should be in that? What do they need to deliver on? What needs to be there? Um, you know, I think I think something like that could be pretty positive for the game, uh, just the community in general uh, moving forward, because it allows them to kind of talk about these goalposts that we've talked so much about, being able to talk about things coming up, things they're excited about. Um, what we can kind of look forward to doing that quarterly even is pretty awesome. I think, um, kind of helps you seasonally kind of, you know, wish people happy holidays, talk about maybe new things that are going to be coming to the game, the community opportunities, hirings, whatever. Um, we actually had a new hire within ashes, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yep. from, was it blade and soul? Yeah. Blade yeah. And I soul. believe it was Babeltron. Babeltron. It? Yes. I was, a uh, senior producer right so bringing him in i'm actually kind of curious if you all have you know pros positive negative thoughts about that i don't know a whole lot about him um i am curious about uh kind of what his experience is and what maybe he's gonna be bringing to the table for the game um mm -hmm. this is a this is an example of some of the types of things that i think would be good to see in the director's letter um I mean, I feel like we can sit here and talk about goalposts and all that, which we've discussed like what weekly for the past month, I feel like. But um, what are some of your guys' thoughts as to some things you'd like to see in that letter? What what do we maybe need to see deliver from Steven on that? I mean, they've talked a little bit about what they're going to put in there. And I guess to me, I, I kind of want to qualify that a bit. So, I mean, they said learning learnings from december january testing so to me i want to know what those learnings mean from a release standpoint and mm -hmm. i don't mean that again like oh i know we need to release ash as a creation yesterday but i do want to understand what that's how that's impacting the overall timeline and when we talk about the state of the game I and mean, we talked about the goal post but really just focusing on some high-level bullets. It doesn't need to be super detailed, like we've talked about in the past, but high-level bullets on some of those key systems that are really kind of the core of the game, right? 
what's our progress on nodes? What's our progress on the class mechanics? And, you know, the art style, you know, mm -hmm. all those pipelines that they've been working on for the, you know, the past year. Um, and then they also talked about the roadmap for the next few months and what to expect. I mean, I'm wondering what this actually includes. Is it specifically focused on the development activities? Is it, it going to talk about the content release schedule, what the testing cycles are going to be? Because truth be told, I mean, I while I am interested in kind of getting in on the testing, I, I'm not necessarily as um, excited about the testing part as I am understanding how that testing piece fits into the broader picture. So to me, what really needs to make sense, and some people in chat already mentioned it, is getting in on a roadmap, a honed-in delivery date, really assessing what it means to make before 2020. I mean, at the end of the day, don't sugarcoat it for us, right? A lot of people are really frustrated. Um, yeah. And while I think that frustration should be tempered with the fact that, you know, we're, we've only been a two, two years into a development process that normally takes five years. Um, I still think that the team needs to not put a PR spin on things is just be real and say, look, here's where we are. This is what we needed to do and try to be as detailed as they possibly can and be real as they can so that that way there is, isn't any room for in misinterpretation um, and any room for people just to, you know, tweet out or post out fake news. Um, and I think the other thing that I really want to see as part of their roadmap too is what their, you know, convention strategy is going to be. One thing that I think historically has been an issue um, has been they're very last minute in terms of planning that. And I don't know how much of that is hearing back from the respective conventions and how much of that is them trying to work down to the wire to determine whether or not they can really make it or if it's you know a, a trade-off in terms of their um, development cycle. But just kind of some planning ahead of that would be really um, helpful to know so that those of us that do need to make plans to go to those conventions and really want to meet with the team and and do that, you know, we are able to plan ahead. Um, I think that would be um, really important um, to me as, again, as a content creator, but also as a fan, right? If I want to, you know, take time out of my, you know, work schedule to be able to go and travel, I want to make sure it's worth my while. I agree. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think we're pretty much just looking at an updated roadmap and like, they said maybe part of that roadmap is going to be an internal one, so we might not get more specific details, which I'd rather see specific details on, like, how much time is delayed and, like, you know, what we're looking at, whether the MMO is delayed or if it's just the testing. Um, sometimes a lot of this, like, a lot of their estimated release schedules account for these, like, delays, but that's kind of optimistic. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think, you know, I was watching in chat too. It's like we want to get a roadmap that we can rely on in the creative, you know, then the director's letter. I'm just going to call it the director's letter um, in Steven's letter. And I don't think we're going to get that. I, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't think, because I know Margaret had talked about, you know, delivering this roadmap via a blog post, right? 
Wasn't it going to be a blog post? I feel like it was going to be a blog post. Uh, a lot of she's really been big on. We've talked about before getting everything, you know, originating from their website, which is still being worked on, still being fixed. It's not up and running fully yet. There are some things that are squared away, like, but not everything. And uh, with that being said, I just I don't know that we're going to get a tangible set of goalposts that aren't going to move, like. If they're realistic about it, those goalposts should be, you know, very in, in where they're going to be at and be moving from from like, you know, moment to moment, from week to week, from month to month, whatever, whatever they want to like measure that at. That's kind of how that needs to go. Um, so we, we've left this question off for for a while now here on episode 41 Catalyst, we're talking about Catalyst for change in the world, right? But, you know, one point that we've on the past two episodes have had sitting there, we just haven't even touched is just this question, which I feel like is a great precursor for the rest of our conversation tonight. And that's going to be why is it important to have aspirational content and there being an actual process on getting to or through that content? Now, I use aspirational. uh, I use that word uh, because this is a game that aspires to be more than the genre right now. It, it that's, that's what it's going for. That's the point of it. Right. That's why we've got systems like nodes in here. So if, if they're, and I've said it, I don't know how many times before, but if they're going to really bring it back and reinvigorate the genre, then what has to happen is you've got to be, you've got to aspire to be more in all things because nodes are great. But if I'm going to be really honest, that's not enough to set the bar. There's got to be other things. So what are some, you know, what are what are your guys' ideas why it's important for there to be, you know, us aspiring to more in this game? It can't just be more than nodes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when we talk about aspirational content, ultimately that's what most people consider endgame, right? Or challenging content, raids, kind of, those type of more difficult encounters. And and to me, having that type of content in any game gives time investment purpose. Mm. Um, every game, you know, that I've seen has some level of achievement built in and making the achievement meaningful is to me what keeps players playing and wanting to progress um, and build their characters out. So there's, you know, of, of course, should be activities that are available that are just plain fun. But the reality is most gamers are achievers. They're in, they enjoy having some challenge. It's not fun if you're just able to breeze through content. Um, and, and at least from my perspective, it's not a sustainable source of fun. I mean, it might be cool for a bit just to like really like roll through content and, and just be super powerful. But it, to me, it, it's, it's not going to keep you on for the long haul. I mean, the way I look at it is imagining a game where you didn't even have to think to succeed in it. Um, you didn't, they didn't give you anything for playing, right? They didn't keep score. You didn't get rewards for leveling or progressing, or they didn't even have levels at all. You didn't gather or expend resources to play. You just kind of had an activity that you did, right? Mm-hmm. How long would you actually play that? Personally, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, and one other point, you know, the developers have told us time and time again, it's a journey that's important. 
Um, and that's, you know, just as important as a destination in, in their version of endgame content. So that says to me that they're really honed in on having a process for players to work towards greater goals, both personally and as a group. And to me, that's what's inspiring me and hyping me about the game is that there is going to be achievement. There is going to be things that you're going to need to do that's over and above just leveling your node, right? There's going to be, you know, bosses that spawn. There's going to be encounters that depending on, you know, how you know you want to handle that can get more and more difficult and vary over time. So to me, it's important that we do have those things to achieve, that it's not everything getting spoon fed to us like has happened in other games, just making, giving us something to work towards mm -hmm. is definitely going to keep people achieving or at least trying to push themselves to make to that, make that content. I, I, yeah, bring back the MMO. I think that somebody in chat said that. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's yeah very I important. agree with that. Yeah, definitely. You always want that carrot on a stick. Um, mm -hmm. You definitely want there to just be large amount of content that you either have to work towards or is unattainable for certain people so that, you know, should they want to progress further, they have to, you know, get past that gate. And like a lot of time games just allow you to just walk right into that gate, which is probably why, you know, games like wow are like slowly like dying off at this point. So like, I feel like, you know, a lot of the games that have done it better have done it to where there's just there's content people can't do and they have to uh, you know, aspire to want to like continue and want to get better or progress in order to get there. Yeah, I think, a, you know, a big part of aspirational content is and this is this is part of my mindset before we kind of get to moving into our overall, you know, greater conversation today and. From my perspective, it's like, you know, I remember on, you know, back in the day, but you'd have these names on servers, right? And, you know, you knew who the people were. Like, I've been a name like that on a server before. It's a great feeling. It's a sense of pride, right? And I've also been on the other side of where I've, like, known people with those names on servers. And, you know, you're going, damn, that's the guy. That's the person that you know, knows they're really good at this particular class or spec, or they're the person who has that legendary or got it first or something, right? Those types mm -hmm. of things. And those types of individuals, right, are what causes others to aspire to like achieve more, to like work harder, to be in that place, like to reach that level of success or prestige in some way, shape or form. And, you know, I, you know, I think that, you know, with, with the type of content that you're going to have, um, you want it to not only help to mold new individuals like that, but you, you want it to not just make it so everybody can jump up and be that guy. Cause if you, if you've got everybody able to jump up to that level of prestige, that means there's no one to aspire to be. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like that's part of the problem in the modern MMO. You don't, there's very few, cases of like aspiring to like reach a certain level it's just all, all about this like kind of what we talked about previously this vertical progression this grind this number of a gear score or item level or whatever you know uh that one meta or that one item 
And that's kind of like what you're aspiring to get is what everybody else has that's up in that top echelon. So now we've replaced people with stuff in game and created this more, more so of a meta. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like we want to aspire to like reach something other than an item level. So, I mean, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, go on. on. Sam, but just kind of along that line, I you said it in the last podcast, if I'm not mistaken is, and don't make that achievement be something that's RNG based. I think that is is very, very important Mm -hmm. Mm because the last thing you want to do is work really hard and then somebody kind of sweeps in and and kind of takes that prize because they just got lucky. Right. And, and, And I don't mind having some level of randomness, but don't make that be kind of the main kind of thing that you need to overcome in order to progress, because I think unfortunately wow has as much as you know they've gotten a ton of feedback to minimize that it's still something they feel is quote unquote fun for players to have that random chance to get you know something upgraded or what have you and it Mm -hmm. it turns the meta um into a meme in my opinion it doesn't make it meaningful to you know beat your head against the wall for you know weeks months years in some case cases and not achieve something just because you didn't roll the right thing Mm -hmm. yeah the like like zeke was saying in chat too uh the idea of the warforge titanforge system i I hate that i mean that that just re that just further reinforces exactly what you were saying daedalus like Mm -hmm. it's it's a horrible thing like because so the guy who, if item level is like the thing too, you just take it further and you go, so this whole Warforged or, and if you don't know what that is uh, in chat or, or on YouTube or here on Twitch, just, just Google World of Warcraft's Titanforge Warforged system. It'll make plenty of sense when you kind of look at how they explain that. But essentially there's this, a random RNG chance that it'll can proc up to a higher quality. Uh, so, I mean, the guy who gets really lucky just gets what like could get 10 in a week whereas the other one's like literally just grinding for a month hoping and and so one person gets their item a little bumped up and becomes more to the masses like eligible or desirable because of this number which doesn't equate to skill by the way right or shouldn't but in a lot of cases you know kind of can anymore and it's that that idea of skill is just being a number is horrible to me because it's not realistic. Like, I don't care if you're talking damage meters. Sure. They give you a snapshot of some level of skill, but that's not all skill is because you could have whatever question mark, fill in the blank. Your number of DPS could be whatever, but that means jack shit. If you die to the mechanics, every fight. Absolutely. You're a dead DPS is worthless in my raid group. Like if you can't stand out of a fire, you don't get to come raid. Because mm-hmm. you know you get a few chances, but if you if you keep standing on it, clearly you're not learning from your mistakes. This does not bode well for the group, right? And and going ahead, yeah. No, no. I mean, I just kind of to reiterate that one of the things that I I've found recently um, in WoW, maybe the past you know couple of years or so that I've played is a lot of times, like you said, there's this artificial status for having a certain gear score or certain item level. 
and you know minimum item level xyz but the end of the day item level does not equal skill um i'm not gonna call myself out because frankly i'm a trash player when it comes to (laughs) comparing myself to my wife which i can tell you she's one of the best wow players i've ever encountered both healing and dps she'll walk into a raid and roll everybody over that are much higher item level. I remember some of the first groupings that I ever did with her raid wise, people were wondering how she was out DPSing out healing people that are, were much in much higher gear than her. And it's, again, it's, it's exactly like you said, she listens, she pays attention, she researches, right. And that she invests the time to be a better player. Mm. And I learned a lot more from her than I did learning from people that was like, you know, uh, get good scrub kind of attitude. Right. So I think that's, that's where we need to focus our attention. And, and I know this is kind of, you know, beating a dead horse with the whole damage meters thing, but you know, I know the team is, you know, pretty dead set against damage meters. And I think that's actually to me a way for us to, um, in my opinion, move away from just those raw numbers being the thing. Uh, um, I would rather we focus on people like you said, avoiding mechanics, kind of working with those mechanics. because, And that's how bosses are going to get down because people are going to be less focused on what's my numbers at and more focused on what do we successful in this outside of just plain DPS. Because those pure DPS races, while they may be fun for a minute, to me, aren't the most interesting encounters you can have in a in an MMO. Yeah, I don't want to see like a big heavy rely or I don't want to hear a big like you know uh, call from everybody in the back always going RNG carry for everything. It's like you can get these big numbers just by getting RNG carried, but like you guys said, if you're not doing the mechanics, you're pulling the you know. AOE bomb into the group, like oh, because we weren't paying attention. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see that thing. No, that's a you big know, hell like, no. Oh, that guy's the most geared guy, but he's retarded because <laughs> so he's RNG cared. So we're talking about aspirational content, right? Like, so what are some ways that Ashes of Creation can create instances? and or catalyst for change for an MMORPG. Like when we think about that, right? Like what are some types of catalysts for change that we can kind of brainstorm right now? Things that they could bring or bring back to the MMORPG. What do you guys think about that? So I kind of thought a little bit about this. Um, I lack of sleep, so I've got like very little to talk about. But <laughs> um, stuff like, you know, unkillable bosses um, or like, you know, unkillable raid bosses in raids that are, you know, not in your node where you have to choose to either, you know, try to go to the enemy node and fight it or try to siege the enemy node so they can't complete it so that you can maybe come around next time and try to like complete that raid, mm-hmm. you know, like preventing progression for someone else. Okay. Like that's, that's a big, like, you know. You you don't want them to get world first, okay? Wipe their rate, wipe their rate constantly. Muster enough forces to yeah to put a stop to it, or yeah, seize yeah. their net. 
Uh-huh. Siege of the Node. Yeah. What do you think, Daedalus? Um, I have kind of a few thoughts here. I mean, I think node progression in general is going to be a catalyst. Um, you know, what types of nodes get developed? Like, for example, an economic node could change being developed and having a local auction house at a certain level could totally impact where players congregate um, and where players trade. I think resource placement or scarcity is going to be kind of a huge thing that's going to be a catalyst because at the end of the day, if you need XYZ resource and it's only available in a certain part of the world, you're going to have to go there to get it. And you might have to, you know, fight some fools to be able to, you know, take it back to your own node. Um, I think discovery, we talked a little bit about that in the chat here, discovery of a new faction, um, a big bad, like a big boss, a place of power or relic. I'm um, sorry, a little uh, Witcher 3 reference there. I was thinking about your stream this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, again, anything to kind of get people to go after something and achieve something and to your point, Zeke, kind of being that in a world first. Um, definitely, um, castle control is another one. I think that they've talked about having kind of a much larger influence than we actually thought. Um, and just in general politics, you know, who wants to be king of the node, you know, king of the castle, who wants to be the top guild. Um, and I think also a, a really neat way to looking at it is what quest lines could be catalyst for things. Could it be, a quest line that has us going deep into an enemy territory or, you know, getting into maybe uh, in order to get deeply into a particular quest line, you might need to sabotage a node or another social organization within the, mm. within the world. So again, it's just all different things and directions they can go and, and how much. And I think the more they can, place it on players to kind of figure that out the to me the better um is you know what what is going to be that optimal way to get to your goal and what does that mean is does that mean you ally with another node or ally with other people or does that mean you find a way to you know sabotage them you know betray them destroy them etc yeah you know i've, I've kind of it's like Speaking of The Witcher 3, this is going to be a small sidestep just because I was playing that this weekend. And man, the just sunsets and sunrises in that game. Oof. I'm not going to lie, man. That That's the one thing in that game. I'm just like, damn, that is just gorgeous. That looks so yeah. good. The light rays or god rays, whatever you want to call it. Like, wow, man. And the environment is just the weather is so like i felt very much immersed in that and so we're talking i'm gonna i'm talking about immersion a little bit but mm -hmm. this does tie into our point because they plan to have dynamic weather and seasons and if you're gonna do that uh man i, I feel like the witcher 3 and i know it's not an mmorpg but man, that I feel like that game has set the bar a bit high for me in yeah. regards to in 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 terms of Ashes of Creation because if you're gonna yeah, have like seasons and things, trees and stuff, and yeah, there's just like the the weather is just impacting the way the trees move, the not just the grass, like characters' hair, all that. It, it just I 
you know, the seasons themselves. I mean, we've talked previously about how the seasons are a catalyst for change because the seasons could then block a path that wasn't blocked before, open up a path, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's that potentially could open up a quest. And I feel like I agree with you, Dalis. I feel like the narrative, I want to see the narrative be meaningful in a way that it is a catalyst for significant change, not just changes in the narrative and how that is applied from server to server. Like I would really like to see the narrative play in a substantially significant role in the way that not only the world evolves, but serves as a catalyst for change for the entire server. One, one thing about Witcher 3 that I was thinking about as I was putting together my notes for the stream today was every choice they made in that game in terms of design felt deliberate, felt like there was a purpose. There was creating atmosphere. There was creating, you know, relationships. There was, you know, giving the player a choice on you know, one outcome or the other. And based on that, the choice had some sort of impact on the game, small or large. That to me is, is kind of a huge thing that I think uh, Intrepid really needs to kind of amp up in the MMO. I mean, I think if we can recreate in some form that level of deliberate choice in terms of design in an MMO form, you're going to get a following that will never die. Oh yeah. And that that immersion, I mean, it's one of those games where very few have done this in recent times, especially for me in terms of MMO, have hooked me so much so that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play this for maybe like several hours over several <laughs> weeks. And then I'm I mean, I've probably logged, and I haven't even finished the main campaign, by the way. I've probably logged over <sighs> two hundred hours in that Man. And it's because I want to explore every little nook and cranny i want to explore different relationships i want to you know stop and hey maybe i want to craft for a bit and just go gather resources or maybe i want to really focus on doing all these contracts to get them done right it's the same thing too i want that that open choice on you know in an mmo i mean i think that would just hook people and again if you do it right, you're going to have community people working interdependently together to get to those goals. And to me, it's even going to make that experience that much more rich. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I do. I, I feel like, you know, and we know we're going to have, you know, similar to contracts in The Witcher, you got maybe a militaristic node that has a bounty system, right, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think they can take a lot of things from uh, these single player games like The Witcher that deliver just phenomenally uh, well done uh, story content. Now, granted, their system is not planned on having voice actors or any of that, and that's fair, but you can still deliver something equally as rich in the way that they are via just the, the text method. That's fine. I'm totally fine with that. I mean, even even World of Warcraft, you know, back, I mean, still, but back in the day before they had all the, you know, little in-game cinematic type stuff or whatever you want to call it that they do now. Like, even back then, it was like, you know, you just go up to an orc and be like, zug, zug, but you'd read the quest. And, you know, it was pretty well-worded. And you were, you know, I was at least reading the quest and and Mm -hmm. following the story. So they can do it. Uh, But with that being said, I know we, you know, some catalysts for change. We talked about 
the node. So node evolution, stages of the node, the outcomes of the node development. Um, what are some ways that's going to be interesting? Um, uh, I'm going to compound that a bit too with talking about the seasons. How can this impact everything? So kind of bouncing between seasons and the node development or evolution or pick one. Uh, what are some ways they can make that just seriously significant? Ooh, I mean, this is a huge topic and kind of yeah. putting them together. I'm, I, I may just, you know, pause for a minute, you know, yeah. make sure everybody gets a chance to give their take. But to me, node evolution, I just go back to some of the original conversation the team has had off and on in the live streams. And, and it's supposed to be a series of branching choices and curated content kind of mixed in there. So the team has talked about node development offering different services depending on what stages there are. So I think the key thing here um, for the team to do is to balance how much information is going to be shared ahead of time to motivate people to maybe build certain nodes or at least educate them uh, about what value some of the services might offer um, at various stages. So, I mean, again, I don't know how much prep or education the team is really planning to share. I know Stephen and Jeff even are really big on discovering things. So I think growth is going to happen organically from people just doing stuff. But, you know, when a node gets capped at a certain level, I mean, what tools are the node leaders going to really have available to them to communicate to their citizenship what to do next? How do they make those choices? So it'll be interesting to me how that unfolds um, and how hands-on the developers are going to be in educating players on what their options are how much of that early on needs to be some sort of, I would say guided. I don't want to mean, but I don't mean spoon fed. I mean, something that where it's, there's some discovery, but maybe there's some hints or events that happen that maybe not push us in one direction or another or force choice out of the player's hands or force an outcome. But maybe there's several avenues where breadcrumbs are being left for players to choose a path, you know, like a choose your own adventure. Do I go down the hall to the left or to the right, but kind of keeping it more broad. Um, and then seasons, I mean, I'll pause on the seasons because I have some thoughts there, but I wanted to see what you guys think of maybe that first point. So something I remember from, I think it was their old website. Like if, if you scroll down in the description, like of the game was like stuff like, you know, uh, changing of where mobs are going to spawn or like herds of animals like spawning and having finite like you know you over hunt them and they're just gone or something or like you attack the or you like wipe out the goblins in the cave too many times and then some trolls move in there or move in on your territory or something because you know they are now not being fed by the goblins or something like I want to see stuff like that affect like how you go about like, you know, doing your like progression on your node, like maybe having, uh, you know, having those things happen cause you to, you know, think about what you're doing a little more be like, all right, guys, try not to wipe out these because maybe from like the beta or something, you know, that if you do wipe out this group, 
something bigger happens later, like, you know, butterfly effect kind of thing. Mm. And you're like, all right, just focus on focus on mining for a bit because we don't want we don't want this outcome. We don't want this like, you know, this creature to spawn and like maybe it I don't know affects you like for a good amount of time and it might affect you during like an important PvP time. Like somebody's trying to siege you, but then you're also having to deal with this like famine or like you know like maybe they keep like wiping out your crops or something and it's affecting your node resource gain, like just like overall. And I feel like having consequences to things you do, I think that's really important, especially in a game like this. And like, I, I don't know if you, have you guys ever watched like that series on like, I think it was like the, how Ultima online, like, like people wiped out the whole, like, ecology of the game because mm -hmm. right of like poor respawns or whatever like i kind of want to see that but to a like intentional aspect you know right i i mean i i think um kind of talking about the seasons there's been a lot of great um feedback and chat on that and and i really like um the kind of the discussion around node progression definitely the higher up you get into a node progression, I totally agree it shouldn't be easier to maintain it. I mean, the way I look at it is the more successful you are, the harder it is to maintain control yeah. and um, balance everything, right? It's going to take more people, more resources, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of hands-on as a leader and, getting more coordination from your citizenship. And that's why I think it's going to be, node progression is going to be a huge thing because it's not that much effort to maybe, you know, have a village. But when you get to a metropolis level, there's just so many choices you need to make as a leader. And there's so much that needs to go into that. If resources all of a sudden dry up, what are you to do? And and kind of along the lines of, of seasons, I know we've talked about and there's been in the community this eternal winter boss and that idea has been kicked around for some time to me it's a really fascinating concept and it's probably the most extreme example we've seen so far about how weather and seasons can impact everything um but they've talked about uh, you know uh, and i think you mentioned it earlier on the stream here weather blocking or impeding travel i mean i would say impeding travel impeding caravan routes do not make caravan routes static. I mean, I know at no. some level it kind of needs to be, but make sure if you do have a situation where, you know, you have a flood and it washes out a bridge, there's another way to get to this other node potentially, but it's something you need to discover or trail blaze through or not at all, right? You now have no way of getting these resources over to this other node and it causes you to kind of maybe try to do something else or find the resources to rebuild the bridge. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities here. And um, Zeke, you also mentioned something about crops. To me, it would be great to have weather affect crop yields in addition to kind of spawning different monsters, maybe having some abilities um, being more or less effective during certain seasonal cycles. To me, that is yet another way Intrepid could slap the metal with a handful of baby powder. Right? Yes. Change <laughs> it up. You knew it was coming. I'm you ready it for coming. it, dude. I was waiting for it. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, so again, anything you can do to keep things interesting, keep people on their toes, 
keep them <laughs> always trying to pivot right on what is the best route to go. That's what I think, you know, and will make this game interesting. I don't, again, I think somebody said in chat, don't make seasons change every week. Totally agree with it. There yeah. make them maybe last for a longer period of time and be more impactful. And it take work to overcome whatever hardship comes about. I mean, again, get people working together, thinking about how they can um, either band together or, you know, go after other nodes that might, you know, be in their way of accomplishing their goals. I think, again, keeping it interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I know there's a lot more I've got on like world events and stuff, but definitely seasons seem to, to me to be one of those really broad reaching ways of changing the story of a server. Yes. What do you guys think about like node decay? Like, do you think there's going to be like a really heavy like cost of keeping your node at like metro level to the point where like if they get lazy and don't produce enough crops, like the node will just de-level on its own at that point? Yeah. I mean, I think the devs even mentioned it, right? And and I would agree. It's like you, you want people getting comfortable. Will, yeah, exactly. This game will die on the table if it doesn't have a way to change things up on a relatively regular basis. So to me, maintenance of a node, without it being tedious, mind you, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it should be purposeful to say, look, node XYZ is like metro level, you know, running along fat, dumb, and happy, and then boom, something happens in the world and it changes what they need to do to maintain success. And if, again, if people get lazy, there's a, that's a choice, right? And that choice should have a consequence. You said it yourself, right? Is, is every choice needs to have some sort of outcome, whether it's a positive or negative outcome. Killing, like they said in chat, kind of jokingly, but killing all the bunnies might spawn a king bunny that totally, you know, craps in your cereal in the morning. So it, <laughs> I mean, you, you want things to happen either because you've done something or because you've not done something. So it gives your choices weight because without weight, without achievement, without those changes, the game is going to get boring. It's going to be grindy. You're going to not want to deal with it and not want to play it because you're not, your mind isn't working, it's becoming a mindless activity. Yeah, you know what? So I'm going to try to like do this. I've got multiple thoughts in my head. So in regard to, because I'm going to have to go back and touch on some of the stuff you guys said. So in regard to what Daedalus had said about breadcrumbs. So I feel like narrative is important, and I feel like breadcrumbs are a really good way for you to drive the narrative like you've got these breadcrumbs and you can have them maybe sprinkle out in multiple directions and when you've got this like construct of alternate realities being a thing for this game from server to server uh, that's just as important from server to server as it is on a single server so i feel like with the node development if they're able you know we get up to metropolis level right if you get up to a metro and at that level you then say, okay, well, now narratively, we got not RNG, but you've got breadcrumbs. And so maybe it's not so easy to predict 
exactly the outcome for every metropolis, every military metrop, you know, node, whatever, religious node, all that. And and you make it to where, you know, the narrative changes and and can split off not only based on like the actions of the leader or the players themselves, but also and this is where a little RNG can be helpful. Right? Right. Spin it up a little differently. Like maybe we did, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the first time a metropolis existed, uh, maybe the first time it existed, uh, the quest sent you towards a dragon, right? And then the metropolis gets destroyed. And then at some point in time in the future, that same node develops into a metropolis again. Whenever that is, it could be years, months, whatever. But then, you know, going down that same sort of path, you don't get a dragon. It sends you somewhere completely new. Mm-hmm. There's that's for me one way that breadcrumbs can be very beneficial. So then I want to take it to the other point. We're talking about seasons. So I've talked about seasons being impactful, and I agree that you know blocking paths and everything's really good. I want to see some inclement weather. I want to see like maybe in game the weather drops to a certain point where talking about caravans, you now can't get a caravan uh, through a certain area unless maybe you equip it with, you know. Uh, in a certain stormy season, you get you need more light to see through the the storm, or maybe in a weather you need heat in order to keep your people alive because maybe the the cold is so you know so frigid out there that like you know to travel could damage you potentially mm-hmm. in certain areas, or maybe like you get a snowstorm and that impacts uh, being able to enter like a city. And maybe the citizens and the people have to help clear the way, much like you would on a mountain pass. Maybe you've got to go and do some deeds. But that that kind of stuff to me is great because that's immersion. And it's not being the same every time is also great because that's immersion. And that's a catalyst for a lot of different changes. Because if you change up what kind of quote-unquote inclement weather you got, maybe with that comes certain monsters that spawn or uh, you know uh, variables that change the landscape. Uh, I, I don't know. That's just some of my thinking. And I don't think that's really too difficult to do. That's not something that's really too difficult. It's just a matter of changing what... Because you see it in World of Warcraft, right? In in world events all the time. You, uh, It's been happening for a long time. And world events is a great place to go with the next conversation here, too. Because you can have world events that revolve around uh, narrative. You can have world events that revolve around weather. You can have world events that revolve around no development. Right, so you've got a lot of options for catalysts of change that can really change just the overall way that an MMORPG can be delivered in Ashes of Creation. So, talking about world events, some things that worked really well in World of Warcraft is, and this is just an example, World of Warcraft, you've got all these events, and it takes a lot of people on the server to come together to put out a threat, right? And a lot of times you can get that kind of change too. Now, granted, in world events like You've they you they have you grind on them so much that you know what to predict. Well, we don't need a grindy system. So talking about maintaining a node, for example, I think it's important that's not grindy. Otherwise, people are logging into the game to grind just like they're grinding a damn rep in an MMORPG. So it's important to just you gotta do it, you gotta balance things, right? You can't rely so heavily on a system like rep grinding or uh, monster grinding or boss hunting or mythic dungeon shit system like that that I can't stand. Sorry. 
<laughs> so, yeah, and I've, I've, I agree with what, what we're seeing in chat. Like, if it's not grindy, people complaining, it's too casual. I don't agree with that because if you make mechanics matter, you don't have to grind. If you make mechanics matter, then it becomes more about skill to where you can't just run around with tunnel vision and expect to actually manage right. to achieve. So that's my that's my thought process. But speaking of world events, like what they are, what they aren't, right? Boss spawning, like having rare bosses in the world, and this is something Zeke mentioned, I think, when we were talking about some of the conversation we'd have this week. Um, and I'm going to let him talk about that, right? What's the difference between what a world event is, like what it is and what it isn't? What, how, do, how do we define that? Uh, what are some ways to make that interesting, you guys? So directly from Jeff, like back when I talked to him at PAX and yeah. it's amazing how much information is still getting confirmed now. It's kind of nice though, that me and Daedalus are being like slowly, uh, uh, what's the word? Validated or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Validated. <laughs> like finally we're like, Oh, we're not lying. We swear. Cause they, they're finally starting to catch up to what they told us at PAX and what we were trying to tell people anyway. Uh, world events are not going to be just, this boss spawns, let's go kill it. They, Jeff specifically was saying how he doesn't want a world of boss to just spawn and you can immediately go to it, fight it with like a thousand people and just get loot. Yeah. They want these world events to be like something that literally affects the entire like continent, even like that forest reaches. Um, they're going to be in places that you, you might not even know where the source of these are. You might have to go and ask people or go seek out like the source. And then you have to figure out why it's there. You have to do these like, you know, world event quest type things where you're like, okay, so now we've got a quest to do to discover the problem. Like maybe there's, I don't know, a, a, necromancer in some mountain but we don't know where he is so we have to do some quest that we get sent into like i don't know some other cave and then you get some like breadcrumbs to send you all over the world until you finally realize it's in this big castle that is underground or something and like it's going to be more of a exploratory and you know they 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 want it to be kind of a mystery that you solve kind of because they, they basically want these world events to be like massive, you know, movies almost where you're just, you're participating in this big event that you feel like, you know, everyone matters to trying to participate and like, you know, you got to bring the ring back to Mordor or whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and everyone gets to take part in some way. I mean, I, I would say with my thoughts, I'm going to, Apologize in advance that I'm going to set the bar really high, but then again, sorry, but not sorry. Not sorry. Um, <laughs> and if you don't like a handful of bay powder to the face, boom. Right. Um, but I would, I would have to say what I hope it's not, and and definitely we've gotten some confirmation and validation of this is that it's not boss spawns alone. It's not, and I'm going to bag a little bit on Guild Wars too, just because in my opinion this whole idea of a generic area quest where you need to help farmer Bob, you know, get rid of the kids <laughs> off of his lawn, those instant gratification type of quests you spend five or 10 minutes doing just to, so you can get your gold star, please God, no, 
God. I want world events to have meaning. I want something that they can do in their pipeline to maybe stage these world events that into actual changes in the world, just like you said, um, you know, like you said, see, some stages might be quicker and you get like a little bonus for helping, but the longer these quests are out there, the more people participate, the more visible the world changes around. Them. Um, so it could end up being a boss spawning, um, but there also could be a number of little things you need to do. Just as you said, it's those breadcrumbs. It might be rituals you need to interrupt. It might be if, you know, if these rituals are not stopped, if something happens in the world that's left unchecked, the boss becomes more powerful and maybe players must gather specific resources to craft weapons like rare materials or rare enchantments in order to be effective. You can't just go out there, gather a bunch of your friends and, you know, go ham on this dude. You need to make sure you're prepared. You've got the right armor. You've got the right enchants. You've got something um, that helps you be successful to stop the event or succeed in the encounter. Something that gives you a story to tell. Um, I was there when we slew the demigod of corruption. I mean, it's those kind of stories that I still think about to this day playing those early MMOs like Ultima Online, like EverQuest, when you, you know, you've had those experiences where you've had to physically think about what you need to do next in order to succeed. So to sum it up, I do not want events that are throwaway reskins of experience grinding. Oh, yeah. I want experiences that stay with us, reward us for time investment in both tangible ways, like we get, you know, some piece of loot, some cosmetics, something, but also in intangible ways. Things that give us a story to tell, things where we get excited about the next time this event happens or the next time we're progressing a node, are we going to get something as cool as, you know, we did in the last node event. And to your point, right, laying the groundwork right off the bat to have some level of randomness in terms of narrative and some level of, you know, uh, pipeline so that the stories aren't the same, even if you follow the same steps. I think that's really important. So I'm hoping, you know, you know, the developers feel like they're on the same wavelength as this. But what are what are all these levers we can pull? Give us stories for days. Give us, you know, days, uh, not, not actual days, you know, but mm. but give us something where they're thinking 10 steps ahead as much as they can, or at least having mechanisms where if they're like, hmm, they're almost to the end of this this narrative what else can we do to kind of throw a wrench in it if you will or throw a curveball where it could go somewhere else maybe they add an additional boss spawn or add an additional dynamic event something they can easily either um you know plug into the existing pipeline or maybe have it go a different direction or bring something else in so anything we can do there in my opinion would be would be great in order to really set the bar high so people never get done with a story. There's always some new branch to go off on. It's always branching off. I think that's important. I feel like I feel like that's like something that is kind of like missing, right? Because 
one one thing that one thing that Stevens mentioned before is like he wants to bring the D and D Pathfinder to the MMORPG genre, right? And that's not something I've really like reiterated in a, in a while, and I feel like that's important because that that I feel like that is ties into the Pathfinder construct, like the idea of D and D. Right, is that you can constantly create new stories and branch off with your same characters, with your same, uh, uh, you know, towns, cities, etc. Logchamp, thanks for the follow, buddy. Thank you. Welcome to the crusade. Uh, So I think that that's very important, Uh, and I think that being able to have like this open-ended narrative that has the potential to change and to continue at any moment, at any time, not just like well when we patch it. Right. Like, cause we know that they're going to have patches. We know that we're going to have like quarterly. What is it? I'm trying to remember how often they said this. I know that there was going to be like, ah, man, I forget. I, I used to have this in my brain, but when we go through these dark spells, it, it starts to all slip into darkness a little bit. But I know that there was a significant uh, level of um, patching slash, you know, intermittent content updates and significant large content updates uh, along mm-hmm. with like expansion size ones, et cetera. So like DLC level um, expansion level was expansion levels like yearly. I think every six mm-hmm. months is like, I think DLC level. And then I can't below that. There was another level. But I can't remember what that's supposed to be. And I could be wrong on my numbers, but that's just like an idea of like the way that they framed it. It was significant enough that like, you're not ever really out of content, but if you still, exactly. But if you still maintain a level of like random chance that at any moment, something could spawn a new narrative and it's like, Oh shit, we can all be a part of something here. And they didn't have to patch it for that to happen. That's Mm -hmm. that, that, that would be very, very, very cool. Um, Oh, I I would say probably the experience that I'm really looking for and and maybe this came up. I was thinking about this when way back when we were talking about taverns and how they kind of, you know, interact in kind of the universe. But I, I want the the feeling of having a DM kind of I don't want to say guide me, but provide me with options and kind of laying out what those branches are again, behind the scenes, it's not something that's, you know, immediately evident to me as a player, but I want that idea of choices I make giving me options. And depending on what option I choose, the path is not a linear path. And I yeah. think that's maybe something that we've seen. I think you guys mentioned it. I mean, all I kept thinking in my head was world of Warcraft, right? Is you have a patch come in everybody's really excited about it. It comes in, you finish the content, you're kind of waiting for the next thing, or you're doing the same repetitive daily grind over and over. And I always want it to be a new experience coming in. You know, there might be some activities that need to be repetitive. You might be gathering resources, but like you said, that random change is going to keep things interesting. That, um, you know, that scarcity of resources or other factors, weather, et cetera, always going to make that slightly different experience every time you log in. So, again, having that idea of 
a DM that thinks 10 steps ahead and is always looking at, well, what if they really go down this path that I haven't really planned out yet? Let me start thinking about that too. So you've got all these pipelines that you've got in branching the story. What is, you know, really raising up faction A mean for the world? What is defeating this boss mean for the world, et cetera? So kind of giving us all these options and having an ability to pivot and insert content where they need to when it's not like a major, oh, we need to have a patch so people are sitting there twiddling their thumbs and wondering what they need. So another talking point, right? And I know it was mentioned in chat. So let's let's hit on this one briefly. This is a little bit of a longer episode tonight, but we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna get through these talking points. So help me. <laughs> gonna finish an episode we're gonna get through we don't split this up so let's we're gonna keep on track here so social structures as a catalyst for change right now and king you you had mentioned like you know is there gonna how about that drama between individuals in the game and stuff or communities absolutely so how can social structures help to elicit change right now we know that we've got guild stuff that's going to be in the game right we know that um, we, you have, you have those types of guilds. You've also got guilds by the players, right? What are, are some other ideas that we can brainstorm here? Like, how can we make the social structures in ga- in this game, like truly interesting enough to be, to be more, to be innovative, uh, than what we've seen before? I mean, I think you kind of hit the major points I had, um, there's going to be different factions, right? You're going to have NPC factions that are part of the game world. You're going to have organically developed player factions. So you're going to have that interaction there um, as a catalyst for change because people aren't always going to agree. Um, And in some cases, right, that desperation for those scarce resources that drive to maintain your node is going to either make you, you know, push your node in a certain way or maybe make rash choices. So it's going to create dictatorships, civil wars, basically power struggles, right? Alliances formed, betrayals within guilds, betrayals Mm. between guilds. You know, you could have, um, depending on what deity you choose, there might be religious wars. That's part of a quest line. Um, interaction between different node types and as you progress what to and to what level what choices you need to make people aren't always going to agree on that and frankly stuff happening in the world like we were talking about you know some season wiping out crops people are going to get you know pissed that they you know are now poor when they were you know you know living high on the hog the season before i mean it's one and yeah somebody said in chat too you know summoning a god right you might have people that work for a faction and part of their quest line is summoning something that they think is going to give them great power and it ends up wrecking their world or wrecking a node so i mean there's all sorts of things where you can have that social backdrop be it player created be it kind of npc faction created Mm -hmm. i think that's a great way for them to introduce change in the world by a quest line, something they can kind of slip in there again in that underlying structure that we start seeing breadcrumbs of, Hey, there's 
something going on with the thieves guild i'm hearing about this you know some spy in the ranks of the you know scholars academy whatever it is right again it's going to get people to pick a side and i think that's going to be important is the more you can get people to identify with their node with their you know race with their social organization the more you can just kind of use that as a weapon and i mean that in the sense of you're going to pit people against each other based on the choices they're making um and you're going to give them a sense of purpose on what they're how they're going to run their play session you know whether that be they have a limited amount of time to do something or you're looking at organizing something more broad and maybe server changing yeah i'd like to see them have like you know consequences for being you know a douche or whatever like let's say your node leader is a jerk and he always is like ah oh, kill on sight everybody well i kind of with the finite resources it would be really interesting to see if, you know, that much like, you know, toxicity could create these situations where this one node's just getting isolated and like people are leaving that node because everyone's, you know, ganging up on them now or, you know, people are abandoning a, a, a metropolis and it's just getting, you know, uh, what's that uh, military term like blockade oh, okay, blockade or whatever. You just blockade their entire like node. It creates this like, you know, scarcity of resources, and then everyone just like cuts off their trade with this one, you know, and that creates a huge change in the world because then that's one metropolis about to just go down because of maybe just someone being a dick on the forums or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely kind of do that, and I think exciting about this game is. Sometimes the direct path, the linear path, isn't always the best way to handle a situation. Like you said, right? If I want to siege a node, that's going to take a lot of time and effort to do. But if I just want to, you know, mess with their world a little bit, I might organize some roving, you know, parties of bandits and just mess up their caravan cycle. Every time they launch a caravan, you've got somebody on the inside letting us know. And then we go and we, you know, we take down their resources. At some point, they're going to get starved out. They're either going to have to venture out and take some action to protect those caravans or their civilization is going to die. So, mm. yeah, definitely it's like those kind of things are, to me, just ways you can use the social, the meta aspect of, like, relationships between nodes, between players, to be a way to keep the game interesting. Yeah, and a lot of these are so player-driven that they don't even require too much extra, like, you know, design. Like, none of it's outside mm -hmm. of what they've talked about it or whatever. Right. As long as those, you know, ability to do those things are in there, yep. like, they don't even have to do any extra, like, coding, so that takes no extra time. Yeah, I mean, like, the majority of, yeah, exactly. The majority of what we've even been talking about is, like, we're, we're talking about things that, these this is within the system these aren't designing new systems this is like systems that they've already said are going to exist so mm -hmm. you know they they can do this and, and a lot of these things when you see i mean i'm just saying the world of warcraft can do events like this in their old ass game <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like you could do it you could do it you guys could do it 
I believe in you. So Right. And a lot of it has to do with players actually doing this, right? If you give yes. them the tools, they're going to use them, yes. right? Yep. We have an ability to mess with caravans. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a viable choice versus trying to gather a metric, you know, butt ton of resources to siege a node, right? Yes. And it might be, you know, a way to really piss somebody off into action versus, you know, just maybe doing a siege and losing, right? Because you don't have you you go with the guerrilla warfare route because you don't have the numbers. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just petting my beard because in chat someone said they really like this. Someone go. Mm. <laughs> you like it? You like it when I touch my beard like that? You like that? You like it? Okay. It was getting like a, a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Daedalus is like, Daedalus is like, take it back, take it back, please. <laughs> they reel that one right back in, right? <laughs> um, so, hey, let's let's go ahead and start to kind of like wind down, round up here. Our last couple points. So, if you could pick a, a system of choice uh, that you, you know what? I'm gonna bypass that. I'm gonna bypass that. Let's just talk about this. A system of choice or if you were the developer kind of day, right? Like we've talked about it. We've brainstormed a lot of ideas, right? So it, it, what are some fun catalysts? Like if you could, you know, put something in the game and you're like, this would be awesome. Some random idea you could just throw to the devs, pin it in their board, um, which wouldn't sound like that popping sound, but I don't know how to make a pin sound. So you guys go there with your imagination. Kind of like you just, never mind. Not like someone in chat did with my beard. <laughs> Aside from that, what would you guys do? Like, what would be something really cool that you could come up with and be like, here's just an idea. Toss this at you. Something really fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of talked out a lot of what I had to say here, but I think just as a general thing, the more that can be done to move away from this generic transactional experience, the better. Like just like this aspirational content we're talking about, make activities mean something. Go all in on this different server, different story philosophy. I mean, like to to me, the mechanic that I think is really going to be a game changer outside of your nodes, outside of kind of all the systems we've talked about, is how the tavern plays into it. And I think using that as a catalyst not only for communication between players. And I think it really helps us, you know, have something new, a new way to communicate other than traditionally what we've had. I mean, obviously, there's going to be communication resources outside of the game like Discord, like forums, etc. But I think taverns can clearly set the stage of being an integral part of how mm-hmm. people consume content, figuring out where the threats are in the immediate vicinity. Um, you know, sharing intel that can be gathered and disseminated before a siege begins. Um, you know, determining how we can secure information through the tavern, how p- various player needs can be met by these player-run quests or player-posted quests. That can really change how the you know the life cycle of a node and how it develops. So, to me. There's already a lot of tools in place. I think just really kind of fully like exploring those tools, making it more dynamic of an experience than just simple, okay, you know, 
kill these rats, gain experience for your node, gather these resources, gain experience for your node, make it something where the more you do, the more things kind of compound upon themselves and open up even more things. So you're always seeing what I'm doing matters, what choices I make matter, not only at a personal level, in the builds and the choices you make on your character, but also in the activities you choose to spend your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, I just, I, I think, you know, talking about taverns, like this is a cool idea. Like, so if we want to make taverns an integral part of the narrative or just as a catalyst for change, right? I mean, how cool to just have like, you know, a random NPC spawns you know shows up one day he's there for that one day and everybody starts talking about it then you see people talking about the forums and the official discord you know people tweeting about it hey don't you guys this is happening right now this is like one of those things i feel like when when mmorpgs launch discords forums not always forums or not always discords but a lot of times people start to disconnect from that stuff right but when you've got an element of change and you've got these random catalysts that just pop one day, all of a sudden something changes, you've got a reason for people to take to the forums, to take to the discord, to take to the, to tweet, to tweeting on social media and stuff and start to interact with, with ashes of creation on their forums and start to go, Hey, this is happening. And that's that, that kind of stuff I feel like keeps the community thriving outside of the world and in game. You know, when you've got like a random guy that pops up and it's just like, you know, I was traveling this path and, uh, you know, my caravan broke down and, you know, the inclement weather, we, we, we didn't bring enough wood to, to heat the, uh, the lantern slash braziers, whatever that I had on my caravan. And, you know, I lost workers and all this happened. And now we, all of a sudden this one day, this guy shows up, right? He'll be gone tomorrow. He's a traveler, Right. But that one day was the opportunity for the people that were there to go, oh, my God, let's go help this guy. And then what happens? Question mark. Right. It's an event. It's an event that only occurs maybe once ever. Right. Those types of things keep keep it going. They, they keep people invested, involved. They keep it the hype, the excitement alive and, you know, the narrative going strong. Um, what do yeah, I do to people? It. Sorry. Oh, I'm not reading what's in chat. That's very inappropriate. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't do anything to people. I'm the light bringer. Okay. But yeah, Lenny, final thoughts before we round up guys, we've had some good conversation. So, I mean, kind of going off what you're saying, I like, you know, just this random NPC shows up. Yeah. Maybe you just have, you could even have like, you know, you know, new con like, let's say for expansions or something, you could have, you know, these, I don't know, you know, some other race show up in like just normal like areas all over the world. Just like one shows up randomly, just if you're in the area, like it only triggers if a player walks into like a grinding zone or something and then attacks them. And then, you know, they kill them or not kill them or whatever. They die from them. Then like something happens like and then slowly you start realizing oh there's an invasion going on and we now have to go to this continent and then they announce oh, an expansion nice. with that like they could e easily have these giant like changes yes. in what's going on that way 
Yeah. I'm just like, you know, breadcrumbs, as we yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. I like it. We should have called this episode breadcrumbs, but we didn't know ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, I think some of the best play experiences I've had in games are a blending of smart mechanics, strong narrative, and player agency. And that's, you know, goes to single player or multiplayer um, agency. And I think as time goes on, it seems to me like the industry has kind of forgotten mm-hmm. that how important those types of play experiences are. Um, and they're looking more for kind of those quick, immediate gratification type of things versus it, you know, in some cases, you know, having a balance of those, you know, quick things versus kind of the marathon things that you're doing. And I don't mean that in the sense of grinding, but things that are kind of longer in the tooth in terms of experiencing the narrative and understanding and engaging in what the story has to say. So I think, you know, MMOs have been the biggest casualty of this trend, I think. And, and my hope is that part of the MM make MMOs great again, goals intrepid has is to bring back that immersion and that meaning back to the genre. So no mechanics are important, right? You need to have good progression systems. You need to have good combat systems. But to me, they're just as important in the stories that we as players experience and and share with each other. Because that, to me, is really visible evidence of how the world is impacting us as players and our experiences and how we're impacting the world. And, and to me, that's a sense of achievement that I think we can really see as we evolve our own version of their mm-hmm. So, again, I mean, I, I hope... Uh, we have the foundation laid out now the team has talked at length about what they want to do to me that's the groundwork they need to lay in now so that that way later on as they're patching as they're adding content it's one of those things they can slide in those experiences and not again not not lead the players down a certain path but give them options and be able to, on a dime, give them, you know, some, like you said, some random event, some mysterious stranger shows up in the node and, you know, people find the breadcrumbs and determine whether or not this mysterious stranger is a friend or foe. I mean, those to me, that intrigue, you know, at the NPC level would be amazing. And I think also being able to have that same experience interacting with players and having the mechanism to have that dynamic back and forth, I think would just make for a really interesting. I agree. Yeah, I definitely think uh, having, you know, organic content is really important, especially for this game and especially for the MMO genre in general, because we've had so much spoon fed content at this point that it's just, people are sick of it. Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot of design work to create all this like organic stuff constantly, but it's going to be what's necessary for the MMO genre to survive at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unexpected like occurrences and consequences to your actions that matter. Not just, Oh, it's still going to happen no matter what you guys do. So who cares what path you take? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if they can lay the groundwork and the mechanisms to be able to keep that content dynamic, they have this in the bag. Absolutely. What a hell of an episode, man. This has <laughs> been a great one. Uh, we, we went, what, oof, hour 20, you guys. We This has been a hell of an episode. I mean, we had to get it all in. Daedalus isn't going to be here next week. 
uh, on Monday. He'll be joining us after that. Um, gentlemen, do you want to let everyone know your domains, where you reign, and where they can find you if they want to come check you out? Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm on my website, actionherald.com. I post my videos there. Um, I also am on YouTube, my primary content um, flavor of choice. So you can find me there by searching the Ashen Herald. Or if you're a Twitter type person, you can find me at the Ashen Herald. I'm Zeke the Phoenix. Uh, my YouTube's uh, the, the Phoenix Nest. I'm a uh, theory. I can't talk today. I'm an Ashes of Creation theory crafter. As you, as I'm on this show, um, you can find me at youtubecom slash c slash nest and uh, Twitch at phoenixz. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm C. Morg. I've been your host. You can catch me right here on the home of the crusade. To all you Pathfinders who have been watching today, we'll catch you next Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for another episode of Ashes Pathfinders. And until next time, we'll catch you on stream. You guys have a great night and week.